Lots coming up uh, on your Singapore weekend. Yeah. Uh, but now let's uh, cross to Simon Marks, our US Bureau Chief in Washington, D.C. Simon, thank you so much for joining us here once again in Singapore. Great to be back with you. Just let's start off with uh, Russia allowing gas to keep flowing into Europe despite that deadline for buyers to pay in rubles or, or be cut off. Peace talks resuming as well with uh, Moscow saying it would respond to a Ukrainian offer. Yeah, so there's a real game of brinksmanship going on in terms of these gas supplies with Vladimir Putin insisting that the European recipients of Russian energy need to start paying for it in rubles, which is basically an effort uh, by the Russian president to do two things. One, to boost the value of the ruble, which, of course, has been flagging substantially under the weight of American sanctions. But two, to prove that he's still got a bit of muscle in this particular uh, back and forth and And uh, he wants to prove that he can force the Europeans uh, to do his bidding uh, by asking them to pay in rubles. They would have to open an account uh, at a Gazprom bank in Russia, transfer euros or dollars into it, and then Gazprom bank would convert them into rubles, which would be used to make the payments for the energy supplies. Of course, that would guarantee uh, Vladimir Putin continued access to hard currency and shore up uh, the value of his own currency. The Europeans are bulking at that. But look, at the end of the day, uh, they continue to need Russian energy supplies, even though uh, in the case of the UK, they're planning to phase out reliance on them by the end of the year. And the Europeans are planning to cut their Uh, access to Russian energy back by two thirds by the end of the year. So that continues to be uh, a major bone of contention. As far as the peace talks are concerned, there will be another round in Istanbul this week. It it seemed that this coming week, it seemed that the round a few days ago made some kind of progress, particularly on this issue of the Ukrainians saying they might be willing to embrace neutrality provided uh, it uh, was backed up by some kind of international security guarantees. The Kremlin initially uh, uh, conceded that some progress had been made, but then seemed to suggest that there actually hadn't been any forward movement. So we're all waiting to see what happens in that next round of peace talks in Istanbul. And I think we've got a sense of what Ukraine is willing to give away in this process. We have no real sense of what the Russians are prepared to give up. And uh, Simon, Russia has accused Ukraine of carrying out an airstrike against a fuel depot in the Russian city of Belgorod. Could this be a case of a false flag? operation? Well, this is certainly very uh, curious, Susan. This took place on Thursday night. There is uh, video evidence showing helicopter gunships striking this fuel depot in Belgorod, uh, which is just north of the Ukrainian border with Russia. Uh, Initially, it was thought that this was some kind of a Ukrainian assault on Russian soil, which would have been an extraordinarily pugnacious thing to bring out, to bring off. I mean, tantamount to a real declaration of war by Ukraine against Russia. Uh, The Russians certainly say that it was the Ukrainians who were responsible, but the Ukrainians now deny it. Ukraine's uh, secretary of the National Security Council uh, said that uh, claims that Ukraine had been behind this attack 
do not correspond to reality. Uh, so there are fears that this may have been some kind of Russian false flag operation uh, in a further bid to create a pretext for continued uh, Russian assaults on Ukraine. Days after the Russians, of course, said that they were going to pull their troops back, particularly from the cities of Kiev and Chernihiv in the north. We never saw that pullback in realistic terms occurring. Uh, whether this uh, was some kind of pretext for the Russians to maintain that assault or whether the Ukrainians were actually behind it is still very unclear. There's been no independent confirmation one way or the other. Simon, um, Sergei Lavrov uh, hailing New Delhi as a friend that was not taking a one-sided view on the Ukraine war and Russia will increase its use of non-Western currencies for trade with countries such as India. Yeah, I mean, this is further evidence that um, countries all over the world, around the world are having to pick sides and make decisions. Uh, and to see Sergei Lavrov welcomed in India over the last few hours, thanking the government of Prime Minister Narendra Modi, uh, even for indicating that it might be willing to increase the amount of Russian oil that it buys, uh, is uh, very concerning to the Biden administration, which has described India as shaky on the subject of Ukraine. It also uh, pulls the rug out from underneath uh, hopes here in Washington that the Quad, of which, of course, India is a member, could end up being a particularly useful grouping uh, in terms of putting pressure on the Russians, because for as long as India uh, remains uh, unwilling to do what the Biden administration would like it to do, and that is, of course, to condemn Russia unreservedly, that has an impact on the future of the Quad. And certainly the Russians are aware of that, which may be why uh, they are attempting really to keep on driving a wedge between Delhi uh, and Washington in this regard. But it also shows once again uh, that from America's perspective, this is a moment when nations around the world have to make their choice. And it was, of course, notable that this was the week when your own Prime Minister, Prime Minister Lee, was welcomed to the White House, having uh, made a choice and having condemned Russia's invasion uh, of Ukraine. So these are complicated relationships that are playing out in a variety uh, of different ways. And Ukraine is asking the EU, the British, the Japanese and the US central banks to ban ruble transactions, Simon. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the flip side of where we started, isn't it, with the Russians trying to force countries to uh, pay for gas in rubles. Ukraine uh, wants the European Union and those other governments to ban ruble transactions, not least because it would further weaken uh, Russia's currency, which did during the course of this week bounce back. Uh, in terms of values to pre-war levels, which is an indication uh, that while there is a very tough sanctions regime in place, there is still more to be done. And indeed, we think the European Union will be doing more uh, over the course of the next week in terms of sanctions. Uh, I mean, banning ruble transactions completely would be uh, not just punishing Russia's government, but of course, really damaging uh, Russia's citizens. And it may well be uh, at the moment a step too far for those foreign governments to entertain. Simon, good news for President Biden with the economy. Uh, U.S. hiring spree continued last month. Employees adding 431,000 jobs, indicating another sign of the economy's resilience. 
Yeah, absolutely amazing numbers beyond the market's expectation and the unemployment rate driven down to 3.6%. That takes it back to the realm of pre-pandemic levels. President Biden uh, took to the White House to hail all of this and to say that it's proof that the U.S. economy is uh, more resilient than some skeptics had uh, suggested. But there is still the difficulty of whether that message is actually getting through to the American people and persuading them to give Joe Biden and the Democrats another look. Because remember, this was another week in which we saw President Biden recording record low approval ratings, uh, despite that very positive news on jobs that we got at the end of this week. Okay, Simon, thank you so much for joining us here in Singapore and keeping us updated. And you have a great week. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon.